Please to Acts chapter 16. I thought we might get from verse 6 through verse 15. I doubt we'll get much past verse 10. We'll have to revisit this text next week. There's a lot more here than I anticipated. Dealing with the Holy Spirit and the call of God. This text is the traditional text for uh, for the Macedonian call, which a lot of evangelicals consider very important to the early church history. We want to look at a little bit of that this morning, but we also want to understand that when we're talking about a call, it can be used in several different contexts. Some of you who have gifts and abilities in certain areas, certain fields, might feel a calling to be a doctor or a lawyer or a car salesman. You have a propensity, you have an ability, you have a desire, you might feel like it is your calling. And many people have that and will follow that and become very successful and enjoy life wonderfully. That is a secular understanding of a call. If we apply that to spiritual matters, there is a call of God for ministry where God, and through the Holy Spirit, lays upon someone's heart a burden to proclaim the gospel or a burden to teach the gospel or a burden to be a spiritual counselor or a burden to be a missionary. That is a call of God. But each and every one of us Each and every one of us, whether we preach or teach or anything else in the church, each and every one of us has been given a call of God through the Holy Spirit. There's a call of ministry. We'll be looking at that. There's the call of God for obedience, and there is a call of God for salvation. My challenge this morning is, where are you? Have you been called to preach or teach? Have you been called to missions? Have you been called to be an evangelist? Where are you? Perhaps you're just content and happy to be an ordinary church member, faithful every Sunday, every time the doors are open, supporting the church, encouraging others in the church, praying for them, loving them, helping them. That's wonderful. God has called you. You're being faithful to that call. There's also a call of God for salvation. Someone either this morning or someone who hears this online might not know the Lord as their Savior. God calls. And I know that we're reformed. I know that we follow the five points. But there is something that we cannot deny in Scripture. The call for salvation is universal. There is an outward call, a proclamation that is universal to all the world. Not all respond, but the call is universal. Those who are lost must turn to God in order to be saved. 
So where are you this morning? That's what we want to find out. That's what we want to talk about. And how should we respond to this call? How should we seek the Holy Spirit? Let's look at our text, Acts 16. I'll just read verses 6 through 10. Paul is just beginning his second missionary journey. Silas and Timothy are with him. And the author of, Luke, author of Acts says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. One little note of interest. There's a change here. In verse 6, I mentioned that Paul and Silas and Timothy were on this missionary journey. And it says, and they went through the region. In verse 10, and when Paul and had, say, had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go. A fourth has joined the mission party. This is where Luke, excuse me, Luke joins and goes on these journeys with Paul's team. Just a side note, if you notice the change in the pronouns, from they to we. Allow me to pray briefly for the blessing of, God's, of God on this reading of this word. We ask, Lord, this morning that you might help us see clearly what is before us and challenge our hearts to be obedient to you in all things. We know that the Holy Spirit is with us. We seek to be sensitive to his leading, to his guidance, to his teaching. May we find that help in what we do here this morning. It's for the glory of our Lord we pray. Amen. So Paul has his missions team, and they are motivated to go. These are dynamic men, equipped and ready, called of God to go spread the gospel. And this is an exciting moment in the history of evangelism of the early church. We see how Paul was clearly directed by the Holy Spirit. Reading once again, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia. Paul, I just imagine him, excited, wanting to share the gospel, and the Holy Spirit says, no. Move on, not here. We have to assume that Paul and Silas and Timothy were faithful in prayer. They were dutiful in prayer. They were disciplined in prayer. They should have been. We should have too. So they were getting direction from the Holy Spirit by staying in the Word and in prayer as they went. 
So they were forbidden, strong word, forbidden, by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Again, the Holy Spirit said, no, not here. Move on. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Ma into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul did not wait. Paul just got up and went, beginning this trip. Lord, we need to go visit these churches that were planted earlier. I want to encourage them. I want to see how they were doing. They got to one or two, and the Holy Spirit began changing their path, their course. Paul moved, tried to go further north. I started to include a map in the bulletin this morning. They're moving from east to west, and then they start moving northwest toward the Black Sea. And all the way, the Holy Spirit is guiding them. When they got to Troas, camping out, or whether they were in and in, I don't know. But Paul, in prayer in the night, sees a vision. Someone across the sea. Macedonia, in Greece. Come over and help us there's Paul's affirmation he's not sure where to go but here he sees the Holy Spirit leading him and he leaves immediately Paul was called of God for ministry no one would deny that he was ordained for the ministry remember in Acts chapter 14 at Pisidia they said that after praying and fasting and laying on of hands at that point it was Paul and Barnabas they ordained them for the ministry. I think we need to revisit this practice of fasting and praying when we ordain someone for ministry. I've not seen it in my lifetime. I've not seen it even suggested in my lifetime. And I wonder if it would be possible to do. When someone is going to be ordained those who are going to be laying on of hands should be fasting and praying a day before and perhaps even a day after. Seeking the Lord's anointing on that person. When I was ordained to ministry, after the laying on of hands and the final prayer, we all went over to the fellowship hall and had shrimp cocktail. Enjoyed it, was encouraged by it. I don't think we sinned, but I just wonder what would happen if we did that. God was called, God, the call of God for ministry is something that is very important, very, very sobering. God will and does, as long as they pay attention, God will direct those who have been called and qualified 
and ordained in ministerial leadership. God will direct those by the Holy Spirit, by his word. But they have to be paying attention. We're seeing some who have been ordained to ministry who are no longer paying attention and doing whatever they want or whatever their people want. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. A call to ministry is something that is important, so important that Scripture itself, in more than one place, says that those who preach and teach the Word hold themselves accountable to a higher standard. Through the prophet Ezekiel, the Lord himself said, If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. So it is incumbent upon a minister of the gospel to preach the truth faithfully to those who are lost. Preachers carry a heavier requirement. And it's not that anyone else could hold them accountable. It's only God who in eternity will hold them accountable. The faithful man whose call of God looks to the word of the Lord spends hours in prayer, and responds to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's what the preacher is supposed to do. Since he is called, since that is his responsibility, that's where, he, that's where he finds food for the sheepfold. That's where he finds help for those in the pew. That's where he finds encouragement for those who lead with him. The faithful man who's called of God looks to the word of the Lord, spends hours in prayer, and responds to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke were on a mission, but were stopped twice by the Holy Spirit and redirected. They had plans to go. Something happened to frustrate their plans. Holy Spirit twice redirected them, don't go here, don't go here, just keep moving, I will tell you later. And finally, in a vision, a man from Macedonia, come over here and help us. Do you ever wish that the Holy Spirit was more direct with you in your life? Do you ever wish the Lord would be that clear about what he wanted you to do? Why does he seem so distant sometimes? He is quite clear to all who believe. Even you. He is quite clear to all who trust him. Paul's letter to the Romans begins, we declared the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship 
listen carefully, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. Do you want more direction from the Holy Spirit? Do you want more clarity from the word? First thing he's asked you to do is be obedient. Simple answer. You don't need to receive a Macedonian call if you're not being obedient in your front yard or in your living room. You're not going to receive a call to ministry if you're not being obedient around the home or in church. God calls all of us to be obedient. Every single one of us. 1 Peter 1.14 As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That sounds like a pious word, and we're not really comfortable with it because we don't think of ourselves as holy. But holy really means set apart for the Lord's work. If God has redeemed you, if he has made you his own, you have been set aside to give him glory in all that you do, and he helps you with teaching from his word. He hears your prayers and answers. He gives you guidance and counsel through teaching here at church, through friendships that you nurture and maintain within the church, and through his word. Do you want to experience the Lord's leading and direction? Do you want to experience the Holy Spirit leading in your life? First, listen and follow whatever he has given you to do. Follow his word, keep his law. It's simple. It's easy. Well, it's an easy answer. I will, I'm kind of like you. It's an easy answer to know what to do. It's hard in doing it. It's almost like you've got to put the combat boots on to get through it. But our Lord has said, simple answer. Our Lord himself said several times, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you love him? If you are trying to keep his commandments, you will see the guiding, leading of the Holy Spirit, and he will be clear. You will get a sense, I know this isn't right. I should not go there. I should not do this. I must go here. It might not be a Macedonian call. It might just be a decision that you're tempted to do something you should not do. Being obedient and faithful to him, the Holy Spirit will lead you away. Again, in John 14, if anyone, Lord said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to me and make and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whosoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's 
but the Father who sent me. And John also wrote himself in 1 John 5, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. We demonstrate our love for one another by how we love the Lord. Very simple answer to find the Lord's leading, to find the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction in your life. You don't have to be called to be a preacher or a teacher or an evangelist. You've already received a call just to be obedient, to love the Lord. That is a calling. The problem is this, that too many people are either afraid of letting go of the world or they don't know how to let go of the world. The way of the world is spiritually ingrained or inbred in our hearts and our habits. And it will, the way of the world will, world will teach you that your ultimate goal and purpose in life is to be happy and successful. That my goal in life is to get whatever I want and the Lord will bless it. No. The way of the Lord is to be obedient to his word and discover your happiness in him. It's a powerfully subtle difference. The way of the world wants you to find happiness in anything and everything you want. The way of the Lord is to find happiness in him. Psalm 104.16, and you only find this translation in the authorized King James Version. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. There are too many Christians who want to feel fuzzy about their faith. And the best way I can illustrate this, if, if you've ever, I know some of you enjoy Christian films, but really, aren't they quite sappy? I sat down with my wife yesterday afternoon to watch one. It was probably one of the better ones I'd ever seen. It was called The Resurrection of Gavin Stone. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it, but this, the character of Gavin Stone was, had, been, had abused drugs and alcohol, had been caught under the influence and arrested several times, and he was assigned community service. He had to do 200 hours of community service. He was given by his parole officer a choice. You can work in the sewer or you can work at a church chose the church. Hence a Christmas movie. And once he got there, he was cast in a Christmas play and did very well. Everyone liked him. But three days before the final performance, and he completed all of his community service hours, he received a job opportunity he had to take right away or lose it. So he left. And when he told the director of the play this, there was a bit of anxiety between the two of them. Anger. 
Arguing with the director of the play, Gavin Stone said, doesn't God want me to be happy? Trying to reason his way out of it. And right there is where a lot of Christians live. And right there is where a lot of Christians stray away. I'm not saying that God does not want you to be happy, but God does want you to find your joy and gladness in him, and that he will give you everything else. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him. He shall bring it all to pass. Do you wish you had a more definite direction from the Holy Spirit? Do you wish you could just stay in his word? Develop a discipline of prayer, regular and often. I've had some pastor friends tell me, and I would share with you, that sometimes you just need to prayer walk. Keep your eyes open, and when you're by yourself, just pray everywhere you go. Be aware of his presence and thank him for being close by. Follow the basics. To whom much is given, much shall be required. To whom much is given, much shall be required. As you mature in Christ, as you learn of him, as you are faithful and obedient, and he begins to, you be, he doesn't begin you begin to recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes Christians are so dull and so dim-winded, they don't even see the Holy Spirit before them. They expect him to come up and slay them in the Spirit, and where they fall down, oh, there he is. No, no. He is the still, small voice that we must seek out. In the noise of this world and the distractions all around us, we need to deliberately turn our hearts and our minds away from that and look to him. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. We have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles and the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This word is not just the preachers and the teachers and those who are called to full-time ministry. This is to everyone who believes. As you mature, as you learn to recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to help those who've come along behind you, those who are weaker in faith, those who are younger in Christ. That's where you get to be a teacher because you've already been following the call of the Holy Spirit you get to show them the way. 
So we all have a call to respond to. Where are you? When they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go out, go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Some of you might already be thinking, well, preacher, what happened to all those places Paul didn't get to go? Was God shutting away his spirit from them? No. Each and every one of us has a place to be. Each and every one of us has a duty to fulfill. It's up to us to find that. In God's providence, others were sent. The church still grew. And all of those churches that Paul had planted before and many other places, the Holy Spirit was at work in powerful ways through other people. Andrew, the brother of Peter, became also a missionary to Galatia, as did Bartholomew. I believe it was Andrew who got to preach as far north as the Black Sea. And he died a martyr. Bartholomew preached in other areas of Galatia. He too died a martyr. Thaddeus was an, a missionary to Syria, one of Israel's enemies. Thomas was a missionary to India. Matthew was a missionary to Ethiopia. Mark, John Mark, was not really an apostle, but he became a bishop in North Africa, a pastor in North Africa. All of them following faithfully the leading of the Holy Spirit. God was at work in powerful ways throughout that whole region, so the gospel was spread, and it was just not through Paul. There were other people involved. What we are seeing in the lesson today, the Holy Spirit does not seclude his ministry or his teaching to a select few. He is at work in all of our lives, and we'll talk more on this next week. He is at work in all of our lives, and it does not matter whether we are members of a congregation or whether we are teachers or elders or preachers or evangelists. He is at work in your life. Teenager, young adult, parent, grandparent, he is at work in your life. Look for him. Stick to the basics. Follow his word. Love the Lord. Pray. And it will become clear. God used others where Paul and Silas did not go. He will use you where I cannot go. 
or he would you use, use you where I could not go. In Paul and Silas's case, all of those other peoples were not apostles or preachers. Some, some were faithful in very lesser responsibilities. But we see that there is a call of God for ministry, full-time evangelism, preaching, pastoring, teaching. But God calls all of us to be obedient. God also calls all of us calls all people for, to salvation. Our Lord has said in John six forty four, it is the Lord's work. It is his doing. Our Lord said in John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I would love to do a message just on that passage. That word draw in the, in the Greek is ekluo, It literally means to drag. It's more like drawing in a net full of fish, pulling hard. And that's the word our Lord used to talk about people coming to him. Again in John 6, 65, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him by the Father. And this I will, and this is the will of him who sent me, that all he has given me will, of all that he has given me, I will lose nothing. That is the call of God. There is also a warning that if you refuse that call, there is a warning from our Lord himself. The just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, same word, <laughs> pulls away, my soul has no pleasure in him. God is not pleased, our Lord is not pleased in unbelief or denial of him. He has called us to himself, each and every one of us, to be obedient and give him glory. God will use each of you for his glory. And at times and in opportunities, even in evangelism, you can participate in winning someone to the Lord Jesus. It is possible. You have to be ready and you have to believe that it could happen. Where are you? Have you been called to the ministry? Then I would encourage you to speak to an elder here, speak to me, get some counsel about what to do next. If you serve as a leader, an elder, deacon, women in the church, leader, God is using you even now. Be faithful where you are and teach others also. If you're just a church member, Wonderful. We love each and every one of you. Be faithful to the Lord. Give him glory in your life. We are called to be obedient to him, each and every one of us.
Some of you might be familiar with the late Mike Adams. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about his life. But it's really quite a remarkable thing. Before getting his doctorate in 1993, Mark Adams was an atheist and politically liberal. He was hired by the University of North Carolina at Wilmington to teach criminal in the criminal justice program. A few years later, Adams abandoned his atheism and became a Christian. He had a brilliant mind. His logic and reason were impeccable. He became very controversial because he was outspoken for his Christian faith. In every debate he ever had, he would shut the opponents down. Clearly, plainly, logically, reasonably. And they could not thwart his arguments. And they hated him. What happened to change his life? By the testimony of his own words, 20 years ago today, I visited John Paul Penry on death row in Texas. This was before he was saved. This was one of the things that brought him to Christ. He raped a woman. While out on parole, he raped and murdered another. He beat her so badly, he burst both of her kidneys. He then shoved a pair of scissors through her heart. His IQ was once measured at 53. His case went to the Supreme Court twice. At the end of my three-hour visit with him, he quoted John 3.16 me, to me. I went home and bought a Bible and read it cover to cover in nine months. When I was done, I joined a church. The rest of the story is fairly well documented. I'm sure that many people who are reading this post have concluded that their past sins are so great that they can no longer be used by God. I strongly urge them to reconsider that conclusion. To state it rather, the rather obvious point of the post, if a mentally retarded murderer and rapist can be used by God, then so can you. Don't wallow in self-pity. Get over yourself and get to work. You are still valuable. You are still needed. God has called each and every one of you. Where are you in response to that call? Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for your word and its truth upon our lives. We pray that the Holy Spirit would become more manifest to each and every one of us. Open our eyes that we might see. Open our ears that we may hear. Open our hearts that we may feel your burden and your compassion for the lost. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in all that we do. Amen.